0: almost all the way through August. And we have been taking this beautiful story of Jacob and Esau and uh, walking through the story and looking at the places where it presses in against what is going on right here and right now, so many thousands of years later. And we had a complimentary reading this morning from the book of Job. And the book of Job is uh, the book uh, of Lament, Uh, that follows the story of the man, Job, who has led a blameless life. He led a blameless life in that he followed all the commandments, uh, that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, uh, and that somehow he became a pawn in a discussion among the gods and the gods' advisors, saying saying, well, This was an argument posited by the Satan, uh, the advocate for the other side. We have a whole mythology wrapped around Satan and we know that there is evil in the world. But in this story, the Satan, um, he kind of serves as a um, rhetorical butthead, probably. (laughs) I mean, just to put that out there, he's going to take up the devil's advocate position. And do we love people who do this? No. Uh, And we don't have any extra love for the Satan in this setting either. And the Satan says, hey, if you weren't so good to Job, if Job wasn't so able to lead such a blameless life, if things didn't happen so well for him, I bet he wouldn't really be faithful at all. And God says, that's not true. And Satan says, yes, it is. God says, no, it's not. And Satan says, yes, it is. And that went on for a while. Probably. But eventually, God decides to show this devil's advocate that Job's faith is, in fact, stronger than just all the good things that have happened to him. And what happens next is rather awful for Job. Everything goes wrong. Everything. Everything. His beautiful family dies. His land turns to dust. He gets covered in sores. He sits on an ash heap, and he wails to God that this is not fair, that this is not right that something has happened that is directly in contrast to the covenant that we are given as faithful Christian people, and in that case it was Christian, uh, Judean people, Hebrew people, the Israelite people, that he had followed God fully, was fully blameless, and this is not the contract. We had signed on this line, and this is not the contract. And so Job's three friends come, to comfort him. Basically to tell him you must have done something wrong. Because there's no way, they too believed this, there's no way that anything bad can happen to you if you are good enough, if you are faithful enough, if you are wonderful enough. Anybody hear that growing up? If you're just good, right? Even even when our parents admit to us that this vaccination is a good thing, but it's gonna hurt, it still wraps around this idea in our head that we've internalized that if we're good, good things will happen to us. And if we're not good, we're going to get what we deserve. How many people have seen people who are not good get what they deserve? Right? It's enormously frustrating, you know? Like, gee, I'd sure like a public example made of that particular person there. It's not very nice of me to think that in my Christian heart, but... I don't count as being as pure as Job. I am not. I struggle. Anyway, his good friend, Bildab, says to him, if you are pure and you do the right thing, then surely God will become active on your behalf and reward you for having done all the right things. And Job is probably too beaten down at that point to scream and kick at Bildab but it's just not true. And all of us, most of us, many of us, have had to grapple with this deep unfairness in the world that though we are taught, if you are just good enough. And how many women in here have the patron saint of nice around their necks? (laughs) Right? I see some hands up in the back be nice, be nice, and for men, it's a different counter thing, right, it's like, well, just be manly and suck it up, can you say suck it up in a sermon, I think you can, (laughs) I think I did, (laughs) but there's truth in that common expression, isn't there, you know, okay, I don't care if you don't like your vegetables, eat it all. If you're manly enough, you can take 3,000 pounds of broccoli on your plate and like it. That's really unfair. That's enormously unfair. So in our lives, sometimes we forget this when we read Bible stories. We get to a story of Jacob and Esau and even our wonderful Rabbis of hundreds of years ago, before even Christianity, they sort of got locked in some of these traps of, well, Esau must have been bad and Jacob must have been good. The commentaries will tell you this, and we'll hear about how, well, Esau was just less than human. He was foolish, so he wasn't as good. He was hairy, so he was more like a beast. He was from Edom, and we all know the Edomites. Ooh! And God's blessing for Jerusalem comes through Jacob's line, so it must be Jacob who is pure and blameless, and Esau who is wrong. Why, in our real lives, can we identify where that reasoning is really faulty? In fact, our Bible, Job, tells us that's not maybe the best way to think about it. And yet we persist in seeking these allegories that put us in the privileged spot. So who who thinks that they must be with Jacob rather than Esau? (laughs) Right? We find groups of people find ways to sort of take on the privileged spot as theirs and those other folks in the less than privileged place. And something, not only are they, not, are they less than privileged, but something must be wrong with them. Right? And that means if me, myself, that I trip or something bad happens to me, instead of thinking, well, gosh, you know, I'm going to yell at God about that for a while or I'm gonna to try to figure out what's going on here. I can first have to wrestle with the demon that tells me that I'm not loved by God and I'm not good enough, and that my life doesn't matter as much as other people's lives do. As a female, I've experienced that. Many of us have experienced it in different settings in different ways. Being a West Coaster on the East Coast, I experienced that. I'm sitting in seminary classroom And, um, boy, I let myself get a chip on my shoulder around this, too. And it was uh, Drew Theological School, and many, many, many most of the folks who went to Drew came from the East Coast and around the New Jersey, New York area. And I had no clue where Camus was, where Southwest Washington was. In fact, you couldn't say you were from Washington. You had to say you're from Washington State. And even then, they might still think you were from DC. So you had to say, Washington State, the place where Seattle is. It's a whole sentence. (laughs) So I learned that. That's Washington State, place. And and we were introducing ourselves in in the group, in the seminary group. And I actually got up from my place. Ever hear of me? the crazy one doing that? Yes, I know. I'm very humble and shy and retiring in my personal life. I get up from my place, I go up to the dry erase board at the front of the class, and I draw a map of the United States. OK, this is the East Coast, where we are this tiny little, tiny little dot that, you know, maybe God forgot about one day is New Jersey. And all the way over here, this gigantic state here, is Washington State. I didn't actually say that. But the chip on my shoulder wanted me to. It just felt yucky. It felt yucky to be so not thought of, discounted, that my experience wasn't part of the norm, and that there might be something weird about me, that I wasn't from New Jersey or New York. Now, I loved being on the East Coast, so I'm teasing everybody over there to a degree. After my chip, you know, that really actually helped exorcise. I had myself a mini exorcism in front of that dry erase board because I got to see myself and how worked up it was about this. So Jacob and Esau, you know, Jacob has stolen the blessing of his brother. And I would ask us to wrestle with that. Jacob and Esau were twin babies inside their mother's womb. Even in the womb, they struggled to find enough space for each other. They wrestled. Esau was born first, and Jacob was born clutching at his heel wishing that he had been firstborn, reaching for all the blessings that in that culture at that time came to the firstborn son. And when his mother suggested that he pretend to be Esau on his, when his father gave the final blessing, Jacob stepped up to do it. Jacob made uh, took the stew that his mother had made knelt down in front of his father lied yes I am Esau and allowed his father to put his hands on him and give him the blessing Esau wept bitterly who wouldn't have I read that line and my heart breaks open Esau was not less than human. Esau wasn't the bad guy. In this particular part of the story, Esau has been terribly denied a birthright, something that was his. And he is so angry that he screams in vengeance and Jacob is on the run. I know we've all heard this because we've been here on Sundays. This is the beginning of the story. Jacob runs and he comes to this beautiful, well, it becomes beautiful. He becomes, comes into this wilderness setting and he dreams of God. And God tells him, no matter how much of a rascal you have been, somebody says, but God says, you are. Are blessed God does not allow the short-circuiting sin of human beings to ruin God's good plan for you or me or God's good world we need to hear that over and over and over again because those of us who feel short-circuited in our lives need to know it's not personal and that you are as much beloved as anyone else that though I was from the West Coast my place was good and I could enter in with joy I just probably had to get up in front of a whiteboard and explain it to everybody which is exhausting to have to do but it helps me have empathy for the times when I'm in the uh, dominant position and think about the person who might not be and ways that I can be intentionally welcoming and caring of them so, Jacob uh, goes on his way. Now, there are uh, commentaries that will sort of discount the blessings that happened for Esau. But when this story comes to a close, Jacob has gone off and he's married. He's had many sons. He has amassed a tremendous number of flocks. He's had a mm, relationship with his father-in-law good enough that they both benefited from being together. That's a whole nother story that I just told in one sentence that we'll get back to one day, but not today. And he has managed to, to have built this whole family for himself. Clearly, he has been blessed, and he has headed back where? To see his brother. It is time time for some kind of reconciliation it is time for these two guys to sit down together and have a conversation can they do it jacob is terrified i think i might be i would have done something really wrong i gotta kind (sighs) of eat crow you know don't tell the crows that We need a phrase for this. I have to humble myself. Not just humble myself. I have to really repent and reconcile. And I'm headed back to see Esau. And if I turn this into a story of I'm good and Esau is bad, we we miss the whole point of the exercise of what it means and what it takes to reconcile two groups of people who are both beloved of God and both deserving of the blessing. As the story goes ahead, we hear that Esau is doing really well. Far from being the evil one, God has blessed him also. And if we remember, back when Rebekah is pregnant, God says, you are carrying two nations. It was never that Esau was bad. Esau is different. He has a different destiny, blessed by God. He is going to be living in a different geographical area, speaking a different language, marrying different women, having different sons and daughters. But, you know, these brothers, what are they going to do when they meet? When the bill comes due, what's going to happen? And Jacob is on the move with an entire family. It's a very vulnerable position for him. He has babies. He has calves and little kid goats. Uh, He's got a a whole household he has to feed. This This is a very vulnerable position for him. And what we hear is that Esau knows he's coming and he's on the way with 400 men. Now, the story tells us that much why, because the story wants to ramp up a little of the stakes here, right? So we get what's at stake here for, for, uh, for Jacob. And we want him to man up. And at this point, manning up is this being in prayer to God, saying, I did wrong. I wronged my brother. I totally wronged my brother. How how do I navigate this? Because he's going to come and visit that wrong right back on me, and it's going to be a vengeance loop, and it's not going to be a good one. And he, he doesn't want to go. You know what he does? He sends some uh, servants and some flocks ahead of him. You you go first. What? It's not Monty Python. <laughs> you go first. He's hoping to soften Esau up a little bit. Here, you go first, you have some of those. Uh, Do you want to be the servant that's in charge of that? Well, thank you so much, Jacob, I appreciate that. Especially if they heard the rabbinical stories about how evil Esau was, great, thank you. So off they go, and Jacob stays on the other side of the river. So all the flocks and everybody go on this side of the river, here, where Esau is coming with his 400 men, Jacob's like, I'll spend the night over here. Just, you know, the river is like right there, but I'm, I'm just gonna, just don't worry about me. I'm over here. Sometimes I worry about Jacob, not gonna lie. Jacob doesn't wanna have to deal with this. He's afraid, but I actually have empathy for Jacob. I think I'd be afraid too. Do I really have to? How many have had a kid in the back seat, right? Stole some gum from the, from the department store. We are now going back to talk to the manager about how we don't steal gum. How much that little kid is like shrinking into the back of the car seat, right? Do I have to, do I really have to? Yes, you really have to. Well, can't my sister go in instead and butter him up first? No, she can't. So Jacob spends the night. We are told wrestling, a word we cannot Uh, define. Isn't that good? That particular Hebrew word, we fight like blazes over what it means. But most likely, it means angel. A manifestation, a physical manifestation of the presence of God and Jacob in a human or angelic form, we are not sure, but they have a physical wrestling match this is not a war of words like in Job this is a physical wrestling match where they spend the night on the, sea, on the shore of that river fighting it out Jacob doesn't want to go the angel's like you gotta get it together dude you just have to get it together and Jacob in pure Jacob form I love this There's a point in the middle of the wrestling where the angel is kind of done with Jacob. And Jacob won't let him go. Jacob, won't let go, won't let go, won't let go. And then Jacob says, well, I'll let you go, but I want a blessing. Now, where has this happened before in Jacob's life? (laughs) Jacob, the man of stolen blessings, want a blessing lucky for Jacob God has already blessed him the bar isn't about Jacob being pure it's not about whether Jacob is good enough God is already working in the history of humankind and Jacob is already a means through which God is acting it's not about whether Jacob is good or bad God is doing this And so the angel says, yes, be blessed. But there's that tweak here. The angel pulls on Jacob's thigh and tears at the tendon. And the lesson I kind of like to take away from that is I want you to wrestle with God. I want all of you to do that courageously, ferociously. But recognize but when you do that, you walk away limping, that it's a big deal when we do that. That as humans, it's not free of cost, it calls something out of us, and it has a lasting impact. Jacob now has the courage to cross the river, yay, Jacob, come on, you can do it, dude. And and there's Esau with the 400 men coming right at him. And Jacob has the courage now to go up in front of uh, Esau and claim the space of the humble one. Good for you, Jacob. Gets right down. This is Esau's territory. Esau is the patriarch here. Whether or not we want to talk patriarchy, that's not this conversation. That's Esau's role, and he has to inhabit it. He inhabits his role like we're all stuck with our own and we're all searching for ways to live that in accordance with the goodness of God. Esau gives him a big hug and falls on his neck and kisses him. And they are reconciled. Who is the more godly in this setting? the one that we like to follow and cheer on and say is most like us, Jacob, or Esau. We don't know how sincere Esau is, but simply by going through the motions publicly, physically, in front of 400 men and all the flocks and servants and family of Jacob, Esau signals something really important. I'm not holding on to vengeance. I'm following God. You are my brother. We are reconciled. And Jacob does the right thing. He reciprocates. Jacob goes on, settles in Succoth, which is a temporary dwelling for him. And then from there moves back to Bethel, the place of the vision in the wilderness many, many years ago. And Bethel becomes his home and the home of his children from whom the 12 tribes of Israel arise. Right? So once again, be careful. We hear this, 12 tribes of Israel come from Jacob, and so Esau, not at all. Esau is blessed, he has his own path, and God is present in him in his own way. It's really impossible not to talk or think about the problems that we have in our own country with racism when we hear the story of something like Jacob and uh, Esau. How easy it is to identify somebody based on gender, or language, or cultural customs, or uh, the hue of one's skin, and decide that there's something about them that is different than us, and it's a very quick step to, and they're not as good, and God's not working in their lives. Their life doesn't matter as much as mine does. Jacob's flocks don't matter as much, I mean, Esau's flocks don't matter as much as Jacob's flocks. Esau's kids don't matter as much as Jacob's kids. They're not going to be the 12 tribes of Israel. But who displays a love of neighbor? Who actually meets the greatest commandment in this story, the one that Jesus set down for us, Esau or Jacob? What well, Esau does. Esau comes out like the prodigal father, the story from the prodigal son, and embraces Jacob in the same way that the prodigal father had done that, the the patriarch had done for the prodigal son. So it's really, really, really difficult sometimes in our myth-making as real, regular human beings. We want to create categories. And we want to see ourselves as the good part of that category so much. I know I do. And it's so much harder to wrestle the angel and say, you know, maybe maybe I maybe I can do things differently and a little better and and maybe I shouldn't have stolen my brother's blessing maybe I didn't mean to and maybe I just really wanted it for myself so badly I even demanded it from the angels (sighs) but we are all God's children Esau and Jacob shared Rebecca's womb. There are so many stories I wanted to share this morning. But my gut tells me that I've already gone over long which means that I have just lifted up a little lament of my own to the Lord. <sighs> Do you hear that you are good? Do you hear that your neighbor is good? Do you hear that we are in many ways raised to believe certain things about each other that may not be true? And that we are called to question those things, even at cost to ourselves? are the things that are so important to us as Christians that we hear that and we learn that and we teach that. Christ and the early church practiced a radical, radical inclusivity. I don't see oftentimes that inclusivity matched in our churches. That we seem to have churches that are very segregated. And I want you to on purpose think about why that is in your life. Not tasking somebody else's being their fault. What can I do in my life? Wrestle with that angel. That angel is calling you to a better world. Let's be courageous. Let's do it. And let's do it together. Right? As a beloved people of God in the power of God. Of Christ who charges and loves us because we can't do it alone it is in Christ that this work is possible and that this work is done can I get an amen, amen. can I get an hallelujah No, I want to hear a joyful one hallelujah because it is a good and joyful day when we can declare that we are beloved of Christ and beloved of God right hallelujah Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Peace.